Oh, you guys are going to love this episode. We have Dr. Kevin Plancher, the one and only. Everybody loves this man. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He practices out of Albert Einstein. Uh, he has an amazing sports medicine fellowship. Uh, he is now the chair of Board of Specialties of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery. And of course, he's the founder and former chairman of OSET, which is the Orthopedic Summit Evolving Techniques course. Uh, it's one of my favorite courses of the year. Kevin, uh, we have a rich history together from uh, some of our time shared in Boston as well as in college. Uh, it's a great episode. He is funny. He's smart. Uh, he's an intellect. He's a great guy. Everybody loves him. Dr. Kevin Plancher, hashtag follow the fro. From medical media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world. And of course, today is no exception. We're bringing you Dr. Kevin Plancher, who's an orthopedic surgeon. He's a sports medicine specialist, adjunct clinical professor at Cornell, clinical professor of orthopedics at Albert Einstein. He has an amazing sports medicine fellowship that he's the director. He is the one and only Kevin Plancher, and we're thrilled to have you on the show. Well, hi, Scott. It's, it's truly our, our honor here, and I'm excited to be here. So how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. I know everybody in the orthopedic world knows and loves Kevin Plancher, so we're thrilled to have you on the show. We're <laughs> going to talk a little bit about you and your history and where you came from and your education, because I was very surprised to see that we do have uh, some combined educational experiences, or at least close by. We were near each other. But let, let's start with that. So uh, so you were, you were at Trinity in 1980 at undergrad, which is part of the New England Small College Athletic Conference, and I was a Tufts jumbo at the time in 1982, so we crossed over for two years, but that was a fun experience at Trinity, wasn't it? You know, it's a little unfair. You're not supposed to give dates like that. <laughs> Why don't we just say I went to Trinity and young people think it was just last year that I graduated, but yes, I did, and the NESCAC and uh, played tennis and um, Trinity. Um, so the story goes, I was into Duke and Trinity. Um, I don't think it's a fable at this point. And my mother bribed me with a Camaro and said, you get the car if you stay local, you don't get the car if you go to Duke. And like, uh, whatever, I made that decision at that time, I went for door number one in the car. Well, let me tell you something, man. A Camaro in 19, you know, 80, 70, that was a hot car, man. That car was, I mean, people don't recognize it now, but it was amazing. I still have it. It got refurbished. Oh, no kidding. In our garage. And uh, let's just say my significant other wants to sell it every day and I won't let her. Now's the best time, man. Used car sales are through the roof. It is the best time to sell a vintage car in the history of vintage cars right this minute. I thank you. I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> I love it. All right. So you, you decide to finally get out of Connecticut and the uh, New York area and you head down to Georgetown for medical school. You do great. Uh, when was it that, that you decided that orthopedics was going to be for you? I think Georgetown was an eye-opening, wonderful experience. Um, I didn't, I was a chemistry major, worked for Loctite, the super glue company, and I thought I'd be a chemist. I really didn't enjoy that engaging. And I really was excited to go to medical school. And I 
I admit I was a nerd. I wanted to know it all. And I met a Dr. Delahaye, Jack Delahaye. And Dr. Delahaye is instrumental, only recently retired, sad for Georgetown. And there were about 20 or 25 of us that were interested. It's a large class of 205. And I was very honored and lucky uh, through him and through a man named Dr. Nauta. And so I tell anyone who's lifting that's younger that forming a relationship with attendings in a hospital or on a rotation you don't know and if they go to a certain institution you might want to then i was honored to go up to the brigham and women's and mass general for my training and i was a very lucky man yeah no you know that's fantastic you know bill levine's one of all our dear friends is the chairman of columbia and he he's the mentor of mentors and he always talks about that exact experience of how you you find someone who believes in you and then helps you to sort of get through the next part of your career. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, that's absolutely a great story. Well, I can tell you, I, I know you pretty well, and, and I just cannot see you with goggles as a chemist. So I think you found your calling. You were a people person, man. You should be caring for people. So I'm glad you became an orthopedic surgeon. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. You're, you're welcome. So, all right. So you're up at now. We're going to we're going to kind of run into each other again here because you're up at the Harvard program in your residency. Uh, it's 1987 to 91. We're two years apart, so we won't use ages, but we're just going to say that you're two years older than I am. We'll, we'll go there. You do have great hair, by the way, too, which is also good. So that's important at, at our age. I need uh, to color it then. Go ahead. <laughs> never. No. 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 Uh, no secrets. And. Uh, and so I was at the Tufts program. And so, as you know, uh, the Tufts program would send residents over like one or two a year. You'd spend six months at a time. So, bake shop. We, you know, I'm sorry. The, so bake, the Tufts yeah. program was for the Baker building. Yes. It's been torn down at Mass General. <laughs> Excuse me. And so my colleague that is a lifelong friend is Bill Geranic, former president of AUKUS. Um, and we were together on the bake shop, as they called it six months of total joints from the various people and an interesting six months during the residency. And so Bill Geranic, tell me if the story's correct, but he was a Tufts resident and he went over and did such a good job and they were minus a chief resident. They asked him to stay on as a chief resident. Is that correct? I don't know if they did stay on as a chief resident, but he did do a great job. Yeah. And you're on a, a rotation with Dr. Harris, uh, a legend. He's now 93. Yesterday was his birthday. And wow. so um, we formed a, fel- a a really good relationship. And even in our other years at Children's Hospital, we join up with the Lenox Hill people for uh, pediatric ortho. So you really get to the community, which is really a special time. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you a couple a couple of stories that I recall from my time while being at Mass General, you know, working over there. First and foremost was the, the Henry Mencken breakfasts. One of the most intimidating things you could possibly do as a human being. So Dr. Mencken, who passed away just a few years ago, I will say was my role model for encouraging education in a Socratic method. And in this day and age, I don't know that you can get away with it, but you probably should, I'll say it on radio live, that I remember as a junior resident, so the rules were, it's breakfast with Henry. For those that don't know, there's not much breakfast. If you put a lot of food down at your plate, he would say, I see you have a reservation with something and would keep you on the board to read the x-ray so your breakfast would go cold. If you didn't have anything (laughs) at your plate, he would say, I see you have nothing to do, so why don't you read the x-ray? So you learn because he would pull out of the left side of his pocket a banana 
and he would have always an orange juice in those little cheap cups and he would put the banana and the orange juice and you too would put orange juice and a banana in front of yourself if you didn't want to get hit. Oh, that's so, so funny. I was called up one time, breakfast with Henry, and it was a giant cell tumor in the lung field. And I described it and I said, I know this, I'm not going to get crushed. And I described it impeccably. Unfortunately, the point of the exercise was not to describe the giant cell tumor in the upper lung field of which he said, Dr. Plancher, any, I'll leave out the words, type of individual, I think it was something of a lower creton, uh, can describe the obvious giant cell tumor of tendon sheath. She's here because of the fracture in the lower lung field that you completely missed. <laughs> she's leaving your office in complete pain. And so... The lesson, though, was never look at the obvious on an x-ray, look everywhere else. And that was the point of the lesson in the morning. And you'll never miss something. And so I still respect, even though I had a chair thrown at me at one time. You know, just for the listeners, so you know, so the Henry Macon breakfast, basically all of the residents from the Harvard program would get together at like 630 in the morning before the start of the operating room. And he would put up a case. And let me tell you, man, these cases were were hard, right? And you just wanted to hunker down. You were just sort of waiting, <laughs> hoping that it would be you. But sure enough, eventually you always got called up. And then in front of your peers, you got grilled. And, you know, it was it was in a, in a way which was done with respect. Everybody understood understood you know the rules of engagement but still it was it was grueling it, it was grueling yeah was grueling. and especially because trivia came in so if it was about the lumbar plexus he would say uh the, oh the batson's plexus and then he would turn into who's billy batson which was the character from captain america in comics and you'd have to know the answer <laughs> would go on and on and it just, it was, but it was a good educational experience. So I do say. Yeah, I'll give you one more story. And that's my Jesse Jupiter story. So I'm there, I'm the first day there. And so I'm, I'm assigned to the chief resident of trauma and to Jesse Jupiter, because that's where it morphed into for the Tufts residents. And uh, so the first day this open pelvis fracture comes in or whatever, and I, the chief resident grabs me and I go in and Jesse had a carpal tunnel that he was doing that I was scheduled to be in for. So I missed his carpal tunnel. He called me into the office by the end of the first day and said, Dr. Sigmund, it's been a pleasure having you here at the Mass General Hospital, but you are now fired. <laughs> so Jesse, uh, such a talented surgeon, just recently retired and is actually, to segue, I heard is going to be an honored professor at a course I know near and dear to me. Yeah, I just saw Jesse down at the Academy. He looks good. It was great to see him. But fortunately, the chief resident said, don't worry about it. Most everybody gets fired within the first couple of days. I'm sure you'll be rehired tomorrow and they let me stay. So, but that's great. That's a, that's really fun to know that we have, we share some of that history. So then you decide to do a hand fellowship in Indiana. We get a lot of that where people are like, what am I going to do? What's my next move? And I hear people do two fellowships and then you go and do a sports fellowship at Stebbin Hawkins. So tell us a little bit about how you were deciding which way you were going to go. So in my day, again, I don't think your audience will realize, I was walking the hallway, I met up with Dr. Harris. Dr. Harris said, Dr. Plancher, you're going to be honored and you're allowed to do my fellowship. <laughs> I, I had to say to Dr. Harris, which was pretty imposing, I, I said, Dr. Harris, I, I really was thinking of doing a hand fellowship upon which Dr. Richard Gelberman was walking the hallway, said, hello, 
Bill, you know, Dr. Harris, what's up? Well, Dr. Planter just turned down my fellowship. Well, why is that? He wants to do a hand fellowship. And I actually wanted to do an upper extremity fellowship from shoulder to fingertip, which was not considered appropriate at that time. You sure one or sure. the other. Sure. Bottom line is Dr. Harris said, Harris, hip, H, hand, I'll permit it. That's a quote. <laughs> and and then Dr. Gelberman said, terrific, you're going to do my fellowship. <laughs> no. Actually, I want to go somewhere out. And he said, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough for you. And that yeah. set off a little few years of something. So I did do a hand. And then to get shoulder, I called Dr. Hawkins, who was in Canada. And in the middle of uh, the interview season, he said, by the way, I'm moving to Vail. And if you want to do this, you have to interview for a whole year with knee, with Dr. Stedman and shoulder with me. And so I had to do, therefore, instead of six months it, at that time for Dr. Hawkins, it would be a year. And I interviewed uh, in that process. And I only will share the interview process is different for fellows then um, as it is now. So you get into a room, they interview you. And I was told, very honored again, he said, you have five minutes to decide, go outside the room, because if it's not, we're going to interview the next person. <laughs> yeah. That It's so different. Right now, it's the match. It's the whole thing and all. Everybody gets all crazed about it. But uh, no, it was very different times back then. I think that Dr. Harris story, is a lot, it reminds me of something we say in Boston all the time, which is a lot of medical information gets out of Boston, but not a lot of medical information gets in. That's <laughs> true. So it, it was a great, great year of, really training. And I stayed on, I was asked and honored to be what they call chief resident. In those days at Harvard, you get a junior resident, a senior resident, you get block time in the operating room and you're on call every other night. And so we did a trauma basically fellowship uh, where you're there and you can consult the attendings, but it was a fabulous training year. No question about it. That's, that's the breeding ground for sure. So, so let's move on and get to some more common ground because we have a lot. So one of our, our close dear friends uh, is Sharif Bechet. You know, he's my brother of another mother. I know he's one of your fellows. You got to give me a fun story about Sharif as a fellow so we can get it on the show. Um, uh, you, you know, this is a show, so it gets publicized. <laughs> so I will say that keep, Sharif, keep it clean. Keep it clean. <laughs> Sharif was a, a fantastic surgeon and fellow. Um, and he adapted some of my bad expressions. So I'm not good that I rubbed off on him on the right way, um, but which were adapted from Dr. Delahaye. So I can't take originality. Um, but he bought me a bobblehead at the end of graduation. I'm turning around to see if it's there. Um, it was a very, and that's, it's not there. An embarrassing a bobblehead. That was my graduation gift that he gave to me upon completion of the fellowship. And the other stories, there are too many, but I don't think they're appropriate for the ortho show. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Well, we do love the name drop. We love Sharif. So it's great to be able to, uh, to bring out that communication for sure. So, so let's talk about something that's really great for you. Um, you are now the chair of the Board of Specialties of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery. That's a huge deal. So we want to thank you for, for your service to our organization uh, that is so important to all of us. And uh, I'd love for you to just sort of give us an explanation for the listeners as to what that is, what your responsibilities are, what you're doing to make a difference for us. So I'm 
truly honored, was elected by uh, the Board of Specialties to serve on the Board of Directors for the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. We have 16. There is a presidential line. I am not in it. I serve this year as the chair. There is a vice chair or chair-elect and a secretary for the Board of Specialties. And then there's a Board of Counselors. And so the Board of Specialties represents the all the 23 um, specialty societies from the Ruth Jackson to the Gladden Society to the Arthroscopy Association North America, the sports medicine, AUKUS, et cetera. And the idea is that we are one family and that we should figure out how to work together, primarily concerned about what the members need, or at least that is my year. I believe that sometimes messages don't get to the leadership of the academy that there is a need or there are certain needs of each specialty society. The difficult part is there are some societies that are financially very stable. They're big and they work on advocacy for us all the time. And there are others that uh, need funding and have a harder time and some work on education. So I've come across a truly diverse group of subspecialists uh, where we have two three-year members and executive directors, and they work very hard. We meet monthly. I've instituted monthly meetings. We meet two or three times a year in person. We just met in September in Washington, D.C. to advocate for whether it's the Shoulder Elbow Society, for CPT codes, to maintaining our profession, to working on education. And um, it's been an amazing trip. Uh, drinking from, as they say, a fire hose and gaining knowledge. And uh, through the leadership this year of Danny Guy, um, previously uh, through other presidents and next year for Buddy Savoie. Um, and I think that's the short version, but it, it's um, a lot of work. Bernie Mori told me if you're going to do it, which I did, I had to give up at least a third of my clinical practice um, to do that because the time commitment is great. Um, it's not just every day and you're trying to solve or help promote uh, the various specialty sites to become what they want bigger and be that common voice. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's hard work, you know, and it takes time away from your clinical practice, from your family and the other things that you're doing. So we can't thank you enough. Again, it's a service that you're providing, you know, to us in the orthopedic community. So that's really amazing. And I really want to thank you for, for sharing that. You know, the question is, you know, where, where, where do we find time in the day, right? I mean, it's just not physically possible when you get the gray hair and you've been doing this for a long time, you're in demand and people want, want your opinion and help out, et cetera. So it's hard. But, you know, just like for yourself, because you're everywhere, you ask a busy person to do something, it gets done. Um, and I've lived by that. And that is my disease. I haven't learned that two letter word. And, 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 and I don't know even how to say it. You only know <laughs> how to say yes. And not only that, you know, the other thing that was really so impressive and on the same way, you showed up at 458 today for our, our podcast taping without without a question, ready to roll despite all the craziness in your life. This is something that you're committed to. There's no such thing as being late. You're either on time or you're early. You commit. I, I would send that message. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. I don't care what happens. And so I've taken a train through the snow when a plane doesn't fail. I will show up. If, you, if I say I'm going to be there, I will be there come heck or high water. And it could be on the other side of the world. But it, it, I take my commitment seriously. 
No, you, sh- you certainly do. And you know, speaking of those commitments, one of the things that you're so well known for, Kevin, is the founder of the Orthopedic Summit Evolving Techniques, or also known as OSET. Uh, I know you're no longer uh, the chairman. You're an esteemed faculty this year where you're coming to present, which is, which is terrific. But I thought that you know, what we could talk about, because it really sort of was like almost an entrepreneurial spirit where you, you really saw something that was, was necessary and you created something and it became, you know, larger than life. I mean, your course, you know, brings the greatest faculty from around the world. You provide upwards of near 38 credits for CME towards the end of the year when it's very important for a lot of people to get those credits. You have tremendous respect, you know, with industry and across industry as well. And, and you're supported in that regard, or you were when you were the founder, obviously, and running the meeting. Brian Bosconi now is the is the conference chairman, who's another dear friend of ours. But I was wondering if you could just tell us, like, what was the what was the impetus? What was the reason for the idea of starting OSET? And, and how did that evolve into such a great course? So I am really excited um, to say that they've done a great job now as I'm a faculty member. But 11 years ago, I was approached and I thought about doing a course. And people said, there's no reason. There are plenty of continuing medical education courses. And I said, I understand, but is there ever a course where you can stand up and challenge what someone says and say, I don't believe you, whatever. So I said, we needed a venue that was kind of like, I guess, Sodom and Gomorrah from the Old Testament, whatever. And I said, that's Vegas. And so no one, you know, 1986, we all went to Las Vegas and we weren't invited back for the academy meeting. Didn't spend enough money. (laughs) Right. And so no one said, don't go to Vegas. That's stupid. No doctors go. So I said, that's why we're going to go. And we started a meeting of only 50 people the first year. It's I heard from Brian, it's like 1,200 this year or whatever it is. Um, But the point is, Dr. Warren, and I credit him, Russell Warren, was a man that stood up, a great distinguished professor. A young man talked about a problem in the knee for those who do knee triple varus. And Dr. Warren said, and only Dr. Warren could say, he said, I want to thank you for your presentation, but I've never heard such unadulterated baloney in my life. And everything that you say doesn't work. And, <laughs> and that set the tone for exactly what the meeting should be. And so it's a meeting that we wanted to design that you better know what you're talking about you have very senior faculty and you have to be ready to go against someone with panels and discussions that it's not to your data. It's sometimes you make mistakes and I'll share one other story. When I was doing it, um, there's a very famous total knee surgeon who said you have to donate two pints of blood to do all total knee operations. And so we created the journal of retraction a session where many people had previously said something and now had to come on the stage and say in Dr. Mencken fashion, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. (laughs) And here it is. And so it can be fun, but we can learn together because we learn. And the whole point is, it's to help our patients. And, And if we're helping our patients by learning from each other, then there's some good function. Yeah. And what's really, it's an intimate conference compared to, let's say the AAOS where there's 30,000 people, right? So even at 1500, I mean, you've got the, these just amazing, you know, professors from all over. And like you said, which I really like about it, 
there's a lot of you know experience-based discussion as well. It's not all evidence-based. So you can confer back and forth with colleagues. You can argue, you can have one you know, point and counterpoint, which is which is really terrific, which is why I think it's such a great draw, you know, not just for the attendees, but for the faculty. I mean, the faculty loves to go. Yeah, and I will say also it was a brotherhood of bringing together, which I shared years ago when I was doing it with other societies, of the importance of industry and partnering with them to make them equal because they have the finances, but they also have some technology and education that really can share. And we can do it in a appropriate compliance manner and get it on the stage and then really argue about it. And so I think the industry has been instrumental as well to help promote education, which I think now they're catching up. Yeah, you know, as an exhibitor, uh, which I'll be there again this year with OrthoLaser as well as a, an attendee, you know, I can tell you from the standpoint of industry, the industry loves this course because you 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 show respect. You run around with your bell. You're like, okay, no, look, these people are here. You know, we're, we're going to listen to them and we're going to get some ideas. You may not believe in what they have to say, but you know, you need to get in that room and let's see what they have to say. And you do that really well, better than you did that really well, I should say. You know, yeah. better than just about any course. You were really very active in the process of moving things around. Yeah, and I think you know. I'm devoted my last three years uh, to my energy to the board of directors of the academy. And um, that way, um, it's important that we hopefully keep it on. There are, I think, 16, I don't know, I was looking, 18 chairs, and they are taking over and running it. I'm excited to be sitting on the sidelines and giving a lecture. Yeah, you'll get to enjoy it. That's fantastic. And and really, I mean, I want to let everybody know again, the listeners, I mean, the list of faculty is unbelievable. It's so funny. I saw the first on the list was, you know, Joseph Abood, which I, I'm not sure that Joe actually sees patients anymore. I mean, that may, <laughs> I was like, he, how does he get into clinic between all of the courses that he either chairs or is on faculty? We're having Joe on the show coming up, but I think uh, Joe, we love him and he's a powerhouse and um, I'm very excited, but make him smile. Oh yeah. Always, always. That's what, that's what we try to do. But how did, how, how did it evolve that you were able to get such amazing faculty? Cause remember this is foot and ankle, it's spine, it's arthroplasty. That's not your world, but yet you now are related and you bring that in. Um, I asked, first of all, and I asked not through an assistant or a secretary. I personally asked back then when I was starting it and I think when you ask a brother within the field of orthopedics to help out, hopefully they will. No different than, God forbid, when you have a complication, your partner says, I'll drop what I'm doing. I'm going to help you. So we did. And then we found people that had like minds that it's there's no war chest. Uh, they you know, there's no register. There's no membership. It's you spend it, you you share with it. And we're just honored. And I think Brian has continued the tradition. So it's really terrific. Yeah, no, it is. We're going to have Brian on the show too. Brian Busconi is a dear friend of mine. I've traveled the world with Brian doing some amazing things and he is a tremendous uh, course chairman for you as well. I think what's also going to be really special this year in particular, right, is, you know, with COVID in the last couple of years, how difficult it's been to have communication, be on Zoom meetings, virtual meetings. I know you guys tried to pull it off to still have a meeting even before, but right now, it, it, this is a good time. People are willing to travel. They're getting back together again. It's great to shake hands, see faces again. So I know I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, he created a great program with a vaccination and PCR 
And there's going to be some surprise antigen testing for social events. So that's what he tells me, my letter. And so I think we should be in the bubble. You know, if they did it for certain uh, sports and professions, then we should do it too. And we need to get together to share so our patients uh, benefit. No, I, I completely agree. And, you know, look, it's such a pleasure having you on, Kevin. You're, you're such an influential mind within orthopedics. Like, we can't thank you enough for the service that you're doing in the academy when you're, as your board of directors. You know, the, the OSEC course that you were the founder of and developed is one of my favorite courses of the year. You, you're really a special person in orthopedics, and so we really want to thank you for being on. Scott, it's been a pleasure. Keep on doing what you do on the stage. If people don't know, if you've never seen Dr. Sigmund, he is passionate. And uh, as he says, uh, uh, opioid sparing kind of doc, he's more than that. And it's really a delight to come on the ortho show. Thank you, Kevin. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the ortho show. Until next time.